Train Shuffling is brought to you by Midgard Hobbies and Games, our friendly local game store. Next, we'd like to thank Luxury Playstyle, maker of fine metal gaming accessories. Visit LuxPlay.com and use promo code LUXINFORMANT for 15% off. Next, we'd like to thank our wonderful patrons for your support. Your contributions help improve our live streams and bring you better content. If you'd like to buy a few shares of Train Shuffling, you can do so by visiting Patreon.com slash MeekInformant. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Train Shuffling, your source for 18xx goodness. I'm Eric. I'm Johnny. And we are your train shufflers. Johnny, uh, I heard that you were looking at the automatic transcription from one of our YouTube videos <laughs> and that it translated. What did it translate 18xx as? A T-neck sex game. A T-neck sex, like a T-neck t-shirt. <laughs> sex game. <laughs> <laughs> seems about right yeah anyway. so yeah that's not that's not gonna happen anytime soon we'll have to manually do it what's going on well we have some really big news today but let's receive starting capital first okay that's oh, so exciting Receiving, we know we don't need to receive oh yeah oh yeah anymore it's already that's up, true it already happened. but i do want to but we do have a new patron so i just want to thank adam kramer yes thanks for your patronage it's very very appreciated it's really awesome yeah um and I also actually got uh, a copy of 1880 from him, and that's in the mail. Not pro bono, though. No, no, I paid for it. <laughs> um, that would be quite the patronage. Awesome. Yeah, 1880. I uh, hear I have a little P&P to do on that as well. So where were we? I don't know. Uh, we had a brief technical issues there. We're back. Private auction? Yeah, let's move on to the private auction. All right, so couple of things, poker chip rewards for uh, the Patreon backers uh, at the super informant level. If you haven't received your poker chips, which none of you have, please send me your <laughs> address. Uh, I've uh, gotten a couple responses. I've reached out to everybody that is owed them. And once I get everybody's addresses, I'm going to make a trip to the post office and send them all out. You can send those addresses to Johnny through the Patreon messenger, or you can hop on the Discord and tell us or email us. doesn't matter. And um, I've also done a little bit of update on the Patreon page. So we've had our next goal was stated as equipment purchases. That's kind of an ongoing goal. I bumped that up to like our, our next thing because we're going to do that as soon as we get enough money. And hopefully as we get more patrons, we'll be able to start making those purchases. I will do a live stream at least once per month in addition to our normal streams if we get to 25 patrons. And since there aren't that many 18xx solo games, it might be a lot of repeat plays or non-18xx and that'll be totally driven by patrons preferences cool um and yeah maybe we could squeeze in some two-player games or something in there it seems like we might might be able to squeeze in a, a second full game yeah i think so yeah and there's plenty of those uh and i know a lot of people want to see those variants so yeah okay those are all the corrections i think that we had moving on to the initial stock round this is where we talk about listener questions um we had a an abundance of responses to our question from last last episode i think this might be our most successful listener question so far and the question was what was your favorite MacGuffin?" uh and randy was want to point out want to, he was want to he pointed out that MacGuffin isn't technically correct uh in this in its usage for 18xx games a MacGuffin is the thing that advances the plot of a of a movie or a story or something 
and I guess it was used by Alfred Hitchcock and kind of got caught on there and somehow got adapted to train games. But it's not something that moves the plot forward. It's just kind of the weird rule thing. Although sometimes it does. It does move the plot forward sometimes, the plot of the train story. Yeah, some some games that have like events partway through and stuff like that, I would say that that might be an actually appropriate use of the term. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're going to just use it because that's what people use. So MacGuffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin. <laughs> uh, um, so Johnny, what's your favorite MacGuffin? Let's do ours first. All right, I actually wrote down two, so I'm going to say both of them. But I think one of them is Parallel Trains. And I've seen that in a couple games, uh, a couple of Lonnie Orgler's games, 18CZ with the small, medium, and large trains, and the 1824G trains. And I really like it because it, it adds a little bit of unpredictability and an extra dimension of the train progression and when things rust. And I uh, really enjoy that. And then we'll talk about it a little more when we get to our main topic. But 1880, the way that the stock rounds aren't done at set intervals between operating rounds. So it can actually be, a, when stock rounds happen, can actually be affected by the players. And you can, for example, have a stock round happen. Uh, you can force a stock round potentially to happen prior to some of the trains even operating yet and end up with more cash to spend in the stock round. So I think that's a really, really cool MacGuffin, and I love that one. So. Now, when you say parallel trains, do you also mean stuff like in 62, there's three different types, but they're not like independent paths of rusting and stuff or just kind of that yeah first set? i mean i do like that a lot as well but i was more uh referring to the first thing the cz in 24 yeah because yeah in 62 they they all rust when one of the next type is bought so it's a little bit different but i do like that a lot too i mean that's my second favorite right 18xx okay i think mine is sort of generic but it's just mergers in in these games so far i've played a handful of games that deal with mergers. 1862 obviously does. 61 obviously also does. Uh, I haven't played 67, but similar idea there. 18 New England. And 1824 kind of has like a merger thing going on with your small companies giving you shares. There are like pseudo mergers there where in some games where you get shares of things uh, like from privates or whatever. But uh, I, I also hear 18 Ireland has a pretty amazing merger that I'm dying to try but mergers in general seem to create a lot of interest interesting decisions for me in the games where I'm struggling to determine you know if I start this company and that company over there how do I connect them if I have to um you know do I merge or convert a company early to get it starting to generate end game share value um which is sort of something that seems to me like it's mirrored from a euro where you have a victory point engine that you need to have a bunch of money. And then when do you flip the switch from generating money to generating victory points? This is sort of a similar decision where do you hold off on generating, you know, you get like 50% of these companies money often the miners that you have in these games. And then when you merge, you go down to two shares, but then you can start to build value in that company. So when to do that, it's a cool decision for me. So moving on to uh, the responses that we got from people, we got an email from Luke Heidebrecht. Um, I hope I pronounced that right. And he says that anytime an 18xx title includes a mechanism for company closures, he likes that a lot. This may be as simple as a closure box in a stock market, uh, a mechanism for receivership, or some kind of company takeover of another company. I find this most interesting. I find this is the most interesting MacGuffin because of opportunities it presents for creative play. There is no scripting written into the rule 
that your company must close if dot, dot, dot. Rather, the players write the best and worst stories. He also says that for the second part of our question was, what's a MacGuffin that you'd like to see in a game? He said he'd like to see more development of loans, specifically shareholder loans, where players can leverage their personal capital in more ways than simply buying stock in a company. Player loans, shareholder loans, company loans, etc. I see great fecundity in this area of design. Pop quiz, what does fecundity mean? Johnny? I have no idea. Me neither. <laughs> so, the ability to produce an abundance of offspring or new growth. Fertility. Whew. I googled that so the fast. The more you know. <laughs> um, sorry for yelling right. at you. <laughs> so Jerry Woodfield says his favorite is without a doubt 18 Ireland's voting mechanism for mergers, i.e. each share is worth one vote when a merger is proposed, including the shares in the bank pool that will vote yes to the merger if it means their stock price goes up and no if not. Adds an extra element of strategy, manipulation, backstabbery to a genre of games that already has that, and I love it so much. I cannot begin to describe how much fun it is in a face-to-face five- or six-player game of Ireland or IRPL, as you head into the merger round with people trying to make their case or make deals to swing votes. I haven't played 18 Ireland, but it's on like up there near the top of my list of games that I'd like to play. I'm holding off for the new the new edition. Same. Yeah. It does sound amazing. But before we move on, uh, I didn't actually get a chance to say that I really love Luke's idea about um, player player controlled loans. Like you can have here, I'll give you a loan and there's some amount of risk, but you got like you got to pay it back, and I don't know setting interest rates and stuff. That sounds really interesting to me. That would be pretty cool. Okay, um, uh, let's see. Moving on to Jonathan Pickles, um, he answered the second part of our question and said he's thoroughly. In- oh, hi guys, I'm thoroughly enjoying the podcast and actually have an answer to one of your questions. In the railway manias in Britain. The promoters of railway companies often made money by overextending themselves buying IPO stock, i.e. signing up for more than they can afford. They would then sell the surplus at a profit and use it to pay for their other shares. This was greatly exaggerated by the fact that you could only that you only needed to pay for 10% of the shares when you subscribed initially, so you could easily cover the amount you needed to find a uh, needed to find on a relatively modest price rise. This worked at the height of the manias as railways were seen as cash cows, so their IPOs would be oversubscribed and the price would rise immediately. Uh, And the price would rise immediately, they hit the open market, as soon as they hit the open market. It works less well in a falling market. So I'd like to see an 18xx game that enables players to buy part paid shares, but obliges them to pay the balance they owe at some point or points. 25% or 50% installments would be probably be enough. Currently, Current games do give a flavor of this sort of things, but as far as I know, none of it make it explicit. That sounds pretty cool. So basically, you know, if you're buying five shares, you pay for, you know, you pay for one of them or something, but then you have to pay for the rest at some point with probably some amount of interest. But if the market falls, obviously you end up losing that investment. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the hook for it later. Yeah. You could do some, some stuff with it. Sort of like, it's not, um, it's not shorting. It's like an option share or something. I'm not quite sure how that works. You want to read the next one? Sure. Michael Alexander. I'm not sure if any game does this, but I think it'd be interesting if a president could declare dividends with more granularity than payout full or split. 
for example, the president could choose to pay out any multiple of 10 stock prices affected by how much is actually paid out. And John Taylor actually responded that in 1822, there's a small permanent train that can pay, withhold, or split separate from the decision made for the real trains. So I guess something something like that already exists. I know that we had a couple other responses saying that the concern would be too much AP if the choices were too plentiful. Yeah, I I agree with those, and I I, I think that's a slippery slope. And I understand cool idea, why. Though. Yeah, the granularity of decision has to be pretty has to be chunkier. You have to have fewer decisions when a game with so many things to decide already. But maybe it could be done in a way like 22, like implemented in, on a small scale somewhere. Yeah. And not make it too too hard to deal with. Yeah, maybe you could, um, you know, something where each of your trains individually can choose to pay or withhold or something that gives you a little more granularity, but it's not as... Right, you're you, still... A, I got two trains and one, one withholds and one pays or something. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have uh, Dave Arlington on Slack. Uh, for my favorite MacGuffins, 1828 has shot to the top of my favorites list because it takes 1830 and fills it with cool MacGuffins that actually make an 1830 game interesting to play. And I don't think 1830 will ever replace 1889 for you because you get the same stuff in 1889 in half the time. I think that's a controversial statement there, Dave, and <laughs> people will have some words to say about it. If you have words to say about it, Call our hotline and shout them at us, and we will play them back to the internet. 410-357-1898. Can't wait. Some of the 1828 MacGuffins, 16 privates, some are left out of each game though, 16 majors, no limit on shares sold to the bank pool, no breaking the bank, no share slash certificate limits. If you can change, uh, if you can manage to get over 60% of your company, you never have to sell it down. Mergers that cost you dearly to start, but pay off as you see them through. I think that in that game, you merge to create systems. Um, and the train roster has some great ups and downs where there are, are where there are really shitty value for money trains, the sixes. You have to eventually have to bite, you eventually have to bite the bullet and buy if you are losing to kill the great value for trains. <laughs> These are like long quote. Three trains. Three trains. Uh, or you'll fall further behind. It's glorious, 1830 on speed. Okay, well, this is this is JC's game, 1828, um, and that's available for PNP, so we'll have to look into getting... Actually, there is a copy floating around in our group, right? So Yeah. Yeah, Brett's got a copy. There's probably more than one, actually, to be honest, with the... Based on what we know of the group, I'm sure somebody else has one, too. Yeah. So we will look into getting that played, too. Sounds fun. All right, let's lay some track. Yeah, let's, this is our 18xx news. We have some news. Train Shuffling now has a board game geek guild, and it cost me dearly 10 geek gold. Did you know that? <laughs> I did know that, yeah. I didn't realize. Luckily, you get one when you submit like submit an image or whatever. So. Um, so come join the guild and drop us a line there. It's guild number 3710. You can remember that because it's 3710. See, you remember already. And we've got Captain Con coming up this weekend, February 7th to 9th in Warwick, Rhode Island. So Eric and I will both be there with our other halves as well as Adam and his wife. Yeah. If you're there, message us or stop by if you recognize us. We'll put a picture of our mugs up on our Twitter account so you can see who we are and come find us. Yeah. I think we're going to uh, 
pop Adam's 18xx cherry while we're there. Oh, gross. <laughs> Why you have to frame it that way? Phrasing. Uh, and then the following weekend. Yeah, see, sorry. Before we talk about that, uh, I think that we're going to look at playing 1889 probably. Hoping we can identify a third player. It sounds like maybe um, one of his other friends might be interested that's going to be there. So we should try that. Four player, 1889 is always a good time. Then uh, the following weekend is Total Con, we've mentioned before. That is sort of the de facto 18xx gathering, as far as I can tell, here in uh, New England. That is in Marlboro, Mass. It is, well, we'll be there from February 20th to Friday, February 21st, but it runs until Sunday, the 23rd. So similarly, come say hi. We'll be there playing train games exclusively the whole time. It's going to be great. And lastly, there's an 18xx Sydney convention Saturday, September 26th to 27th, and we're going to put a link in the show notes to that so everybody knows all the details. Yeah, this was uh, somebody on Twitter that, uh, Andrew on, on Twitter that we, he does a lot of retweeting and uh, posted that he was part of the, I don't know if he's part of the organization of it, but I think he's in the area. So he's excited about it. And I said that we would spread the good word. If you're an Australian trained gamer, go check it out. Or even if you're not and you want to travel yeah. to Australia. To yeah, tr- sure. That's also a thing you could do. Let's lay some tokens. These are our titles of interest and what we've been playing. I'll start. I'm still <laughs> playing 1861 online. We're in brown tiles now. That's all I have to say about that game. <laughs> what about you? Uh, yeah, so we both went to uh, Joe R's game night. He's been running... 18xx game nights like i think twice a week for a while now and so we got an invite and it was awesome a while now for like as long as i've been alive yes yeah yeah running a a a consistent 18xx group for over 30 years that's pretty impressive it is it's pretty good yeah so we had two tables going on johnny played 1880 and i played 18 new england you want to talk about your game or are we gonna do that later Sure, real quick, and we'll get into more details on it later. The group I played with was Len Kay, who you've seen on our stream, Eric Brosius, Dave McAvoy, and Jess Davis, who you've probably seen on Heavy Cardboard. And uh, it was awesome. I had a great time. I, I mentioned earlier I purchased a copy that because I, I liked it so much, so we'll be doing that on stream at some point. I'll do a more thorough overview and some initial impressions when we run our trains. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It looked really cool. I... I'm excited to give it a try too. I had a good time with 18 New England. Um, we're going to stream 18 New England tomorrow night, um, which might be by the time you're listening to this already happened. I don't know when we'll get it out the door because it's Tuesday today and we're going to stream it on Wednesday. But yeah, I had a good time. We played it four player. We figured some stuff out with money, I think, and how to make money more plentiful in that game. So it is nice. I like it. Cool. Still going with our 18 game of 1830. I think we just entered our third set of ORs. Is it our third Did or we? fourth? Okay. We so you guys finished up the stock round because it's been like passing around to me and not nobody's been pinging me. So I'm assuming I'm just auto passing. Yeah, I think that uh, Chris Whitpan finally decided to offload his PRR shares because he's been sitting there with no money for uh, for the last couple of sets, hoping that somebody will buy the sixth share. <laughs> <laughs> And he, he finally sold it down to two shares and uh, invested in the BNO. And uh, yeah, I think Fred 
sort of stopped his his uh, rampage of destruction with buying stock up everybody's crashing. shares and trashing the stock. So yeah, we finally got out of that stock round. Actually, he didn't do so much in this this stock round compared to the previous ones. This is the most destructive game of 18xx that I've ever been a part of. <laughs> it's all no just one person. <laughs> yeah, well, no one's been like able to do. Well, I don't know. It's me and Chris, I guess, who have been really hamstrung. Yeah, I've been able to, and just not interested in. I, I if it was an nice in, if it was an in person game, maybe, but I I don't want to buy a share, sell a share, buy another share, sell it for you know two weeks. So I'm letting yeah. Fred be the the lone wolf on that. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so righteous. <laughs> um, so I've made a little progress on PNP, the PNP front. I finished 18SY. It's done outside of the tokens, which I think are coming very soon. We ordered those from uh, Rails on board. Rails on boards? Yeah. yeah. Well, we actually, we still have to scan the, the token sheet and make some digital, make a digital copy of them so we can print them on sticker paper. Right. Yes, we do need to do that. Um, 1890, I actually spent some time last night working on that. So the tiles and shares and privates and trains are all cut out and I just need to do the charters and the map and the stock market and again the tokens and I gotta say Oregon laminations matte laminating sheets I will never go back to glossy sheets they are awesome and similarly we Johnny and I went halvesies on an Apache AL13P laminator and it is way better than the dinky little 3M model that I had previously used Heishmoo <laughs> there she is um, my cat was meowing in the background earlier now you can schmoo you want to come sit up here and can join we, the show can you get her in the in the microphone uh, and I had written that and this was like a few hours ago poker chip labels are scheduled to be delivered on Thursday for my poker chip labels and they showed up today two days early and I have half of them on the poker chips already uh, which is a painstaking pro- process, but oh my God, they're so pretty. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. And they will be on the stream tomorrow night. Yeah. My my news is a little less exciting on that front. Uh, the Rails on Boards tokens are past customs in Warsaw, so I have no idea what that means for how long it'll take to get here, but they will get here. We'll get those tokens. <laughs> cool. Let's run some trains. Yeah, let's run trains. Sounds good. This is the section where I talk a lot. Yeah, this is all going to be Johnny this week because, like I said, we want to hold off on 18 New England talk until after our stream, and then we can kind of both talk about it and give our impressions of the game as we've experienced so far. So Johnny's basically just going to talk about his play of 1880. Yeah, so I'm not going to talk too much about how the game went, but I'm just I'm so excited about the game. I just want to give an overview of what it was like and some of the things I like about it. And then we'll move on to our very exciting news for this episode. So, yeah, 1880. First of all, I was really shocked. So we were communicating with Joe about what games were going to be played, and he said there was going to be a, a fast table and a, or a, a short game and a long game with the two tables. And so I, I was like, oh, okay, let's play 1880 on one of those if people are interested, and that would be the long game. And we finished in... Uh, not including the teach, which took about maybe a half an hour. We finished in four hours and 50 minutes, which was like 20 minutes behind the 18 New England game. And yeah, I was yeah, it took shocked us like by that. 
four hours and 15, I think for ours. And we were, we were going pretty slow. We were, you know, hanging out and yeah. So we were, we were actually not really playing fast per se, but I think that the spreadsheet, uh, so Eric Brosius is uh, people listening probably know that, that he does spreadsheets, uh, for all his games to calculate payouts. So that way at the end of a set of ORs, everybody just gets paid in one chunk and it doesn't seem like it's really having an impact, but I think that the, I mean, it does feel like it's having an impact because we're not exchanging chips, but I wouldn't think that it would, it doesn't feel like it takes that long to do the chip stuff during the game, but I think every little transaction that's cut out adds up to a lot of time throughout the course of the game. So I'm guessing that probably cut out like maybe at least an hour of the game. So (laughs) it's going to be a long podcast. (laughs) So, so yeah, there was that. So it was, it was actually a surprisingly fast game, which is awesome because I think games that come in under five hours are kind of, uh, for weeknight games, probably our limit. Yeah. They're a lot more doable. If we start a game at six, you know, go seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, that's 11 o'clock. That's doable. You know, if you go to midnight and then have to drive home and you're looking at like going to bed at one oof yeah so because of that i have high hopes that we will stream 1880 in the very near future so 1880 was was interesting there was a private auction um which is similar to a lot of other private auctions it doesn't have any sort of ripcord thing you just auction one private company at a time uh and then after the private auction seating order is done by least to most cash and you choose your your foreign investor and then you do your initial stock run where you start your companies in that order Uh, i thought it was really interesting because during the stock round and i actually kind of screwed this up because i didn't count my cash and i was like ten dollars short of being able to do the thing i wanted to do but it's really interesting to basically want to spend a lot of money to go earlier in this initial stock round but then you're left with less money and maybe you get a worse par value and the important thing with par values is that operating order is fixed for companies based on the par price so like forever forever Ooh. so there's four four spots at 100 90 80 and 70 i think that's as low as because there might be 60 i can't remember and whoever gets into a par price first will operate in that junk so you get to choose which of the four slots you take in whatever par price you choose presumably you would most often choose the hot the top one that's available but yes then it's fixed so you you always go down from the 100 through the you know if four companies are ahead 100 you go through those and then there's the 90s 80s etc and that is that's cool the operating order for the entire game i like that yeah it's actually i mean it's nice for for several reasons but one of the most interesting things about this is that the stock rounds are not you don't have a certain number of operating rounds in between every stock round. So you can actually, since they're done based on the last train of a type being purchased. And if no companies purchase a train, the rest of that type gets exported and you go into a stock round. So it actually gives players the ability to manipulate when stock rounds happen. And actually at the beginning of the game, I had a, a, a really good start because we ended up having a couple of stock rounds prior to other people's companies running. And I ended up with a lot of money in the first two stock rounds, which I poorly invested <laughs> and uh, made a lot of mistakes in that game. I ended up coming second to last, despite uh, what I think was a really strong start. 
but I just thought that mechanism was really cool to actually be able to affect when stock rounds happen. So you can, on your turn, if you realize that a couple people are going to be making a lot of money when their companies run and there's one train of a type left, even if you don't necessarily want that train, you could go ahead and buy it and have a stock round where they don't have money to buy shares, things like that. Sounds like you guys should have uh, called the game when you had that initial start and said, there's no way anyone can come back from this. <laughs> Ooh, shots Let's fired. start over. <laughs> so um, Eric actually ended up winning, which wasn't really a big surprise. I think he's yeah. got the most experience with that game and probably 18xx in general. But um, some other th- cool things, there's foreign investors that everybody chooses one at the beginning of the game, and they operate like miners except that they don't own trains, they just use whatever the lowest available train is for their run, and they keep 100%. But when your foreign investor connects up with your major railroad, it automatically gets merged into your major railroad, and you have two options. You can either take all the capital out of it and put it in the company, or you can take 20% of it for your personal cash and return the rest to the bank, which is like, apparently it's a very uncommon choice you would usually take all the capital into your company Hmm. um it's interesting yeah it's super interesting i ended up actually one of the reasons i had a lot of cash early was because i hadn't really planned too far ahead and i ended up merging my foreign investor with my major with in the first round and you get a bonus 50 dollars immediately when you do that so I was the first one to do that, and then a stock round happened, and then I was making more because I had stocks, and then when the next one happened, I still had more. And um, Yeah, it, it was... You your, your quick start. Yeah, that's how I got That's how I got the quick start, and one of the times I, start, I, I initiated the stock round by buying the last of the three trains or something like that. Mm. So something that I want to say before you keep going is that the all this stuff, that like that private auction and the seating order change... Uh, it takes a fair amount of time up front. We were playing 18 New England and we both had to do a rules teach. We taught somebody and you guys were teaching and I think you probably taught for longer, but I think we, we roughly started at the same time, these two games and we were in the greens and like most of our initial track was laid and we looked over and there was no track on your board and you guys were all still doing your private auction. And I was like, what is going on over there? <laughs> well, we and did. And then you all stood up and you like moved seats. And I was like, what's yeah. happening with this game? Yeah, we did. We did start a little bit after, uh, after you guys though. But yeah, it, it, I mean, it didn't feel like it took that long and ultimately our game didn't take that long. So no, no. Yeah. Not saying it, but it's just a funny, it's a different tempo, right? You, yeah. you have a lot of, a lot of decisions to make up front before you yeah. even lay any track. Yeah, and I think we're it, it, absolutely you do. And I think with the even after the seating order changes and you choose your uh, foreign investor and then your your major, there's a lot of things working together. Now you've got your your private companies, your foreign investor, and your major that all have these synergies or potential synergies. So there are a lot of decisions before you start you know, before you get into operating companies. And that's one of the things I really like about it is it seems like it's going to be different every time or at least different enough that it's it's going to stay fresh for a long time. And one of the things that I really liked that I've never seen before, it probably exists in other games, I don't know, but when you start a company, you choose how big your director certificate is. It can either be a 20%, 30%, or 40%. And... In order to build track, your company needs a permit for 
the phase that it's in. So there's the A, B, C, and D phase, um, which matches you know the color track that can be laid during those phases. And when you start it, if you start a 20% company, you get a three phase permit and you choose between an ABC or a BCD. If you do a 30%, you've got all permutations of a two phase permit. And if you do a 40%, you only get a permit for one phase. So nobody's starting a 40% company right off the bat. There were a couple 30s and a couple 20s to start. And other than when what permits you get, the other implication is how easy the companies are to steal or how hard they are to dump on people. Because if you think about it, if you have a 40% director certificate, now somebody can have 30% of your company and still be safe. Up. Right. Um, what did you mean by phases that you can lay track in? Like, I get you can choose A, B, C, and D, but what are those A, B, C, and They're D They're the, the yellow, green, brown, and gray. Got it. So you okay, can so choose correspond a to the trains with the two phase and say, I can only lay track yellow and green track. Yes. If it's Dur a, during those phases. So it's not the, it's not the track color that you can lay, but it's the phases in which you can lay them. So if you have a, a D permit, you can lay once grays become available, but you can still lay yellow track and green track during those phases. Right. Okay. But you can't lay track until grays are available. Right, if you if you only have a D permit. So at the beginning of the game, everybody's buying either uh, the A, B, and C permits or the A and B permits. Right, much. so you can or, start laying track, but then eventually you won't be able to anymore. Right, so yeah, one of my companies had the A, B, C permit, and at the end of the game, it couldn't lay any track. But the second company that I started, I also did it at 20%, and that was a B, C, D permit, so that could lay track all the way through to the end of the game. That is also cool. Man, yeah. many cool things. Yeah. Okay, continue. What else? Uh, and I think the last thing that I'll talk about uh, is the co is communism. It's uh, Let's talk about communism. Let's talk about communism. So when the Ford, I think it's the Ford train is purchased, it uh, starts communism. So all, each train, it's, it's kind of neat that it has, each train actually has a year written at the bottom of it that corresponds with what, what year you are in in the game. So... Forgive me for my history not being very good, um, but the four T's have a year on it that corresponds to when communism actually started in China. And then, sorry, go ahead. I no, I don't know either. That's okay. <laughs> Ignorance. Uh, but then the during communism, uh, share prices are all locked in. So if you withhold, you don't drop back, and if you pay, you don't move forward. And uh, during that period directors can't sell shares of their own company you can sell shares of other people's companies though and that actually i forgot about that rule until we hit communism and i had like 80 percent of my company because you also don't have a, a, a uh, limit in how much of your company you can own so i had 80 percent of my company and i wanted to sell some shares during communism and i wasn't allowed to and that uh, that was a big mistake that i had made as well but when the 60s break communism ends and the stock price starts moving as normal this transient period like a little phase that locks everybody down for a little while and then yeah goes away. and so I, I guess it's it's common obviously for everybody to start withholding during that to be able to afford the end game trains right yeah it's a set time for everyone to gather up money without yeah. falling back on the yeah that makes sense yeah there's also this interesting thing with the stock market if you first when you first look at it it just looks like a normal two-dimensional stock market and going up and going right are equivalent. But if you look more closely, there's bands, there's uh, vertical bands going through it that say plus five, plus 10, and plus 15. 
and those have no impact on the stock price, but when you're in those bands, you actually add that amount to your revenue calculation, and that gets that gets paid out per share. So if you're in the plus five column, you get if you if you run for two hundred, you're actually going to run for uh, two hundred five, or actually, sorry, it's it's per share. share. So if you run for two hundred and you're paying twenty a share, you're actually going to pay out twenty five a share if you're in the plus five column and thirty per share if you're in the plus ten. So getting your companies moving to the right is extremely valuable. Uh, does does it also affect with, uh, withholding when they withhold? Or is it just when they pay out? That's a good question. I actually don't remember the answer to that question. Okay. Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so that's that sounds like a pretty awesome game. Is that sort of the the wrap for 1880 yeah. for now? Yeah. I mean, I think after we play it on stream, we can do a, a deeper dive and talk about our actual play and everything. But that's the overview. If you haven't played it, you should go play it because it is my new favorite game. And not just favorite 18xx, but my favorite game of and all games. It is getting republished this year, right? Yes. So I believe it's Lookout Games. Right. Lookout Games, who just did the reprint for 1830. So it, they took the Mayfair edition art for 1830 and just kind of, I mean, they, they may change some formatting and stuff, but they mostly left the art alone. So we're curious to see what they'll do with the art for 1880. I know Johnny's uh, of the mind that he wants them to just leave it leave it how it is right yeah and i don't know if they will i, I know that they did with the mayfair but mayfair and lookout are the same company so right. they basically acquired it was a little the... bit different but with this one it's going from being a double o production to being a lookout production and i i really like the way it looks now and the way all the components are so that's why i went and just sprung for a copy and i may get a new copy as well but i want to make sure that i got the one that i know i like before it's not available potentially especially if the new copy ends up not not being as popular if people like the old one the old prices could go up so i wanted to make sure i got my hands on one now sounds like some good old-fashioned fomo yep uh, <laughs> the best of us which is funny for me because this is it's kind of a new reaction for me because i'm usually uh subscribing to the cult of the new you're still you still are this is like cult of the new to you all these 18xx games are like <laughs> your new <laughs> The new one, oh, this one's cool. That one's cool. I got to buy it now. Yeah. Um, not making fun of you. I, I understand. I wish that I had the the board gaming budget sitting around. Yeah. I meant um, more in the in terms of editions of games. I typically, you know, I typically, you know, I like to buy the, like the deluxe Age of Steam and I like all the, the thicker cardboard components and stuff like that for, for most of my games, but I'm sort of, sort of starting to go the other way with 18xx and realizing that... I may like some of the older stuff better than the new stuff when it comes to 18xx games. You're getting curmudgeony, and you like your you like it how you like it. Just wait until I'm old. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we won't specify when old is, <laughs> so we don't offend any listeners. Right. Um, you. So I know you've been talking for a while, but I feel like you deserve to share this exciting news because you did the legwork for it. Yeah. So I I reached out to. Um, to Wolfram Yannick of uh, Marflow Games and had asked if you know if he had any interest in us streaming any of his games and there's no reviews on, on BGG so I thought he might want to get the word out a little bit more and I didn't hear back from him for a while and I pinged him again and he was busy with Essen and then I recently followed up and asked him if it was a better time to chat about it. You and sound he got persistent. Back. 
I, yeah, I was. Uh, I was interested. So he actually uh, just got back to me today and asked if we would do a stream of his new 18DO Dortmund. So that way they could put it up on their Kickstarter page and uh, hopefully build some hype through that. And obviously we accepted and we're going to be doing that. We so that's the big news. Machine. <laughs> Hyping 18XX. That's going to be the new tagline. Yes. Welcome to train shuffling. Your hype machine for trains. Yeah. So I'm really excited. We, we actually mentioned, I think in our first episode when we did like all the news that was available, we had mentioned this one was coming. So it's one that we've been looking forward to and really grateful that he, he actually checked out our channel and said he was really impressed. And so was David from Fox in the Box. And I thought it was really cool that they asked us to do this. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thanks for setting it up. And thanks to Wolfram and David for for signing up. Very excited. And so can you tell us a little bit about Dortmund? Yeah. So I actually just got a copy of the rule book, so I copied a little bit of the uh, the flavor text description of the game. So it's uh, it takes place in uh, Dortmund, obviously, during the 19th century. It starts in 1840. So Dortmund is a town of beer brewers since the medieval age. So this whole game is about beer brewing and also mining coal and milling steel. Trains, steel, and beer. So it's actually called Heat, Sweat, and Beer. Is that like the subtitle to the to the name? Yeah, it's yeah, it's called eighteen. So it's not the subtitle to the game. So the game is eighteen Do Dortmund, but there's actually like five variants included, and the main version of the game is called Heat, Sweat, and Beer. Sweet. Yeah, no sweat. Sweet. <laughs> so basically, you're you've got the coal mines and the steel mills are uh, passive in the game. So they're on the, the board and connecting these locations is what causes the, the value of, and the demand for beer to go up because more, there's more workers and workers want to drink when they get off work. So when you connect these uh, coal mines and steel mill locations on the map, the, the beer demand goes up. And so that's a big part of the game and you own a brewery, corporations which use they buy instead of trains they buy brewing equipment which is actually on the back of the train cards so there's is there not a separate deck there you buy either the train or the brewing equipment and then you also have railway companies which run trains so that deliver the beer based on what you've said so far there's like city of the big shoulders which is like a euro game which tries to pull in some 18xx things and Dorman so far sounds like an 18xx that's like we're just going to take a few euro things and put them in here in in the form of a a, a brewery that you can like you have a brewery. I mean sort of I think that they there's no there's no actual like delivery or anything like that I think it I think it I mean it's definitely 18xx right um, but yeah, they bring they definitely bring in some interesting mechanisms that that may borrow from some Euro games. I haven't gone through all the rules yet, so I can't really answer that. Okay, maybe I might be exaggerating that. That, but was the impression that I got based on that one sentence. Yeah, based on that sentence, I could I could see that, and I wasn't sure how how beer delivery 
was going to work in the game and I still don't, but it sounds to me more like it's a thematic thing. Not You're not actually delivering beer cubes around the map or anything like that. Got it. But uh, once I read the rules, I can update everybody on how I think the game's going to play. And then we'll do that stream, which is tentatively scheduled for March 19th, right? 18th. 18th. You're good at calendars. I have horrible at calendars. Johnny's Wednesday. like, hey, you want to do the stream for Dortmund on March 13th? I was like, a Saturday? Because we don't usually do that. And he was like, no, uh, 18th. And then you made another correction. I forgot. You you were all over yeah. the place. It's bad. I also announced that our 18 New England stream was going to be on March 5th. Yeah. Everyone of February. Yeah. like asked for people to sign up to come, come play. Like, come play with us, everybody. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, I can make. 3-5, which is what Johnny said originally, but not 2-5 next week. So moral of the story, listen to Eric when it comes to our stream dates. Yeah. Don't, I'll, ho- I'll hopefully I'll have everything since, since, I, since the studio, quote unquote studio, is at my house. We'll just hope that I have the table ready on the right day. Yeah, I just need to, it's, <laughs> it's this week. Okay. <laughs> so moving on, uh, running short on time here. So let's pay, withhold, dividends. Which one are we doing? We're, we're paying we're full pay, straight yep. up full pay. So like Johnny mentioned, we've mentioned a few times, uh, we have three scheduled screen, screams, <laughs> streams, uh, 18 New England on Wednesday, February 5th at 6 p.m. EST. That is tomorrow. Maybe yesterday, depends on when you're listening to it. <laughs> 1822 MRS, Monday, February 10th. 6 p.m. EST, so that is next Monday. That you should have time to schedule for. Um, Randy's going to be doing a full teach of that, and uh, I think you guys have a four-player game scheduled, correct? Yep. Sweet. Tentatively, we're playing five with 18 New England. And Scott from All Aboard Games said he's going to be in the chat. He also said "Mm, three or four players is better than five, but five still works fine. So (laughs) we will see how that goes. and then 18 Dortmund on Wednesday, March 18th, like Johnny just said, again at 6. We're just kind of starting at 6 whenever we do these, unless we are making some big long game happen or something. Yep. And, yeah, we got a bunch of future streams that we want to hit on, but we'll we'll talk about those when we get them scheduled. Yeah, and we're going to start announcing them like we did with the, the, last, the, the next couple upcoming. We're going to try to start announcing them earlier on YouTube as well, and we'll tweet them out and everything. So yeah, so if you, should be if easier you go to, to join us. If you check us out uh, at BG Informant on Twitter, or if you go to the Guild, you can find links that I've tweeted or, or just post in the forums there. For They actually have the link to the YouTube video. You can hit the bell for the reminder. It'll tell you, hey, we're streaming. So do that, and you'll, you won't miss us. It's fun to be there in chat. I I got to do it for uh, what are they called? The uh, Bankruptcy Club. They did eighteen eighty two. Oh yeah, chat with them. That was fun. Yeah, I know. I I personally enjoy the stream a lot more when we've got the interaction with for, with all the uh, the people watching. I think it's a lot of fun. So yeah, we love it when you guys join us. It's a lot less depressing than streaming to like one person or nobody. <laughs> Which we've done. So, yeah. <laughs> so moving on to our train fact, we're going to talk about early railway development in the United States. I know everyone is super excited. Hold on, hold on. You'll make it. I'll get there. Wait, can you hang on one second? Nope. I want to go get my popcorn. <sighs> you back? <laughs> so railways in the United States developed very, very fast compared to other places in the world. In Britain, the rights of way for a railway needed to be negotiated with each individual landowner. 
and then you know bought and paid for that way. Uh, I think sometimes involved involving Parliament, which maybe were is where the parliamentary round came from in 1862. I don't know. We should have asked Mike. Anyway, uh, in the U.S., it was simply a matter of selecting a route, assessing the damage and um, the, the the damage caused to the the private owners, paying them, and then legally confiscating the land under eminent domain. Good old eminent domain. Just saying, that's mine. Uh, railways couldn't entirely be funded by private investors, though. They were forced to seek support and often funding from either their local or federal governments. And unlike in Europe, where railroads usually connected existing settlements, in America, the railroads were often being built from, as an English wit put it, nowhere in particular to nowhere at all. Because they were trying to branch out into places where they were trying to develop, right? The, the middle, Midwest and etc. So not much funding came from Boston or New York bankers. Uh, they might fund railroads between Boston and Worcester or New York and Philly, but generally weren't interested in a railroad between two log cabin villages in Indiana. So um, individual states, however, recognized that local railways were so important to their economy and development that most early railways had some form of government support. Um, in what has been called a typical a typical manifestation of shifty American pragmatism, states helped out railways in ways ranging from the entirely legal to the distinctly dubious. Uh, and some of these clever quotes are actual quotes from Christian Woolman's The Great Railway Railroad Revolution, if you're interested uh, in learning more about this stuff. Uh, railroad charters were given privileges in far more favorable uh, terms than any other type of corporation, eminent domain, unprecedented tax exemptions, and uh, money-raising opportunities. Many states granted monopolies that prevented rivals from building parallel lines. Most notoriously was the Camden and Amboy, which was given the monopoly of uh, for the railroad transport over the entire state of New Jersey. So, uh, which was, I, I guess, later deemed to be a bad decision. In the South, railroad lines were deliberately prevented from crossing state lines in order to ensure that each state could retain control of its own railways. They were like afraid of other states getting control of them. And the South's railroads were therefore mostly short and built to a lower standard than elsewhere and mostly ran from like cotton plantations to ports where they could sell their cotton. This would prove so they were like they were basically tokened out they were, of their neighboring states. Yeah, all their neighbor. Yeah, so they played a game <laughs> with aggressive tokening, uh, and and the North was very cooperative, and it proved particularly problematic for them during the Civil War. Which I think it, I want to make us like a future topic, um, the the South's railways. But I, I guess they were they were all built to different gauge lengths and stuff. They weren't compatible necessarily. So like multi-state uh, movement was was pretty difficult for them. Hmm. So yeah, those are just kind of some highlights that I picked up about how railroads in America formed and initially, you know, the things that they had to deal with. But it's a lot. It's interesting, you know, with state support and all this stuff and thinking about the flavor that you get in some of these games where there's a state railway and some of the company names that we're familiar with, like the Cam Camden and Amboy and I don't know. I, I like it. It's interesting. How 
uh how much of that book have you gone through do you like do you sit there and read the book or do you just look for a train fact before we're going to record uh no i read the book and then i write down page references for interesting stuff i am 32 pages in <laughs> that's it that's it and i gotta return the book and uh give it back so i got another one and then i'm gonna get this one back out i, I got railroaded how long is it um it is long it's like 380 pages or something man you uh, gotta get reading i know well so reading's hard and i have lots of hobbies so um yeah this is one of them but i got i, I need to I, get a train book on audio for your commute I, yeah i might fall asleep um <laughs> maybe not it's actually do people fall asleep when they're listening to me maybe they do i don't know i in the meantime i got railroaded the transcontinentals and the making of modern america by richard white which is a wonderful book fresh and provocative according to jeff c ward nice sounds riveting provocative railway history <laughs> ah, that's it um johnny it was your responsibility to come up with a listener question for buying trains oh, i didn't do it oh, God. <laughs> Good job. you had one job that is not true i wrote a lot of this script for today you had several jobs and this was one of them now we're going to end up going into a stock round because nobody bought trains oh it's like 1880 trainception um so let's come up with it let's come up with an idea for a listener question now so we don't have to edit in some weird stuff um how about if you tell us in a game that you play often what's a mistake that players often make like for example i think in 1846 sorry 1846 i think that newer players don't know how to make the companies make money like issuing shares and then buying them a stock round and like what par values to set them at um i think that there's there's some finesse there that needs to be learned and what's an example of something in a game like if you play 1817 all the time and you watch new players do this stupid thing every time the first time and they make that mistake if you could circumvent that mistake from happening by telling somebody what is a piece of advice that you give a new player to a particular title it's a good question i like it yeah i don't want to sit through the first game where i just do something stupid in the first 20 minutes so let's save everybody that experience if possible sounds good okay all right run your trains and pay your divs yes many divs will be paid <laughs> weird bye not weird <laughs> it was just a little weird bye everybody Bye.